tracking the path to the NFL draft where dreams are made and players are paid. The NFL is our bread and butter, doing sports talk like no other. So join us, sisters and brothers, as the 3rd and 3 podcast has got you covered. Good day, all, and welcome back to the 3rd and 3 podcast for what's sure to be an excellent show and a lot of fun because they got the best co-hosts on the planet, Tricky Nikki Gist and the real deal Damien Adams in the house. This show is brought to you by Anchor Radio and presented by the Sports Column. We have so much NFL to talk about. It's crazy, Damien. Plus, we're down to our supreme 16 of the greatest male athlete of all time, where Nikki will be judge, jury, and executioner. Man, got a hell of a show ahead of us. That uh, supreme 16 is definitely that. You know, it lives up to his expectations. I'm still in my head right now trying to decide which way I'm going to go on each one. So uh, I can't wait for that. It's going to be a great episode. Yeah, right. The only thing that we could prepare for, I still haven't even come close to preparing for with these matchups that we have on later, Nikki. It's going to be tough. You're going to have your say. You know, we you got your knowledge and you're going to bring your crazy knowledge with Tricky Nikki uh, coming up in a bit over here. But you are going to honor us and you will be the judge as always. And we have the sounds and the sound bites all ready to go. But other than that, how is your unfavorite day of the week Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday is uh, not a great day. <laughs> but um, I listen, I may have came prepared with a couple of things myself for the what is it? Super 16. Yeah, uh, well, you can have you yeah. once. Super Supreme 16, Clean 16, you know, as long as it rhymes or it's got alliteration in it, it'll work. Yeah, so uh, so I'm ready. I may need to hear cases on some of these, but uh, these were tough. Uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah, she knows they are tough. They were definitely tough. And you heard DMX in the beginning. He was tough. He was a rough rider. We definitely pay our respects to him, and we will be doing throughout the entire show with his songs. Damien, by the way, I wanted to say that that was so cool what you did on your show when you started it with the prayer, the way that DMX always did on each of his albums. He had a, basically a prayer God song. I thought that was really cool, man. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, I'm a big DMX fan, as are you. 
Um, so you're somebody who impacted my life. One of the first albums I bought, actually the second one I bought. So the first one I bought was Get Rich or Die Trying by 50 Cent. The second one was Grand Champ by DMX. Um, so talk about somebody who was the soundtrack to my life. So yeah, DMX, man, rest in power. Yeah, man, listen, he, I fell in love with DMX, you know, when they put that first song, um, you know, well, up in here, whatever it was, you know, if I forget the first song they put on the radio, I'm like, damn, I love this guy. He's got that. To him. He's all like, oh. <laughs> And uh, anyway, I remember I'm so Tuesday albums would always drop. And uh, I was late for school because I'm like, I'm getting this album. First thing I do, I'm a senior. I could give two dams. It was 1998. I could get less. You know, I'm already into college and everything. So I get there and I prepare to go to my first class, which would have been second period. I missed first period altogether. Nevertheless, I missed almost the entire day because I couldn't stop listening. I got everybody, I'm like, you guys have to listen to this. It's amazing. The intro itself, the first song, I mean, my God. It, I mean, oh, wow. DMX, my dog, man, no doubt about it. Absolutely love him. And, yep, definitely missed. There's no question. He was so unique, uh, one of a kind. There's no doubt about it. So, yeah, you'll be hearing our main X uh, all coming up all throughout the show. No question about it. But uh, let's get our shout outs going right now. Who would like to take the honor? Nikki, you ready for it? Yeah, sure. I will go first. And I feel so bad because I think I missed this last week. But our girl, Ashley, I think she um, won our bracket challenge. And I forgot to shout her out. So I will do it this week. Ashley, sorry we missed you uh, last week. But great job. It came down to uh Ashley and my husband it's so funny my husband was like oh who is this I said oh I think that's Ashley and she just dominates like every league we are all in together um she is a force to be reckoned with and I said now you feel my pain because Ashley and I have gone head to head so many times so you guys go ahead follow Ashley you can find her on Twitter at the scoop 27 she is a great friend great friend of the show um she really knows her stuff great sports follow and just in general very entertaining follow so go check out Ashley and congrats on winning our bracket challenge, our first bracket challenge. Yeah, no doubt that, you know, that's a great shot out for everything you just said. And she's just one of like the coolest people. I've never met her in person, obviously, but you're right with her funny little tweets and everything. And she gets so many responses out of it just because she's very clever. I, Ashley's awesome. Yeah, definitely a great friend of us, great friend of the show. So I love that one right there. All right, Dean, what you got? So for my shout out, I'm gonna give one to Carlita Parks. Uh, All right. She has a website called doubletakesports.com. It's D-B-L takesports.com. Um, you can follow her on Twitter at Carlita C Parks. Uh, great follow, knows her sports. Her articles are always super dope. And she can go from anything from analyzing the game to analyzing things outside the game that affect the sport. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to Carlita Parks. Excellent. Love it. Love both of them. Beautiful job. All right. Now we'll finish it off the shot out. So I'll be here with the man who was on your show, Dean. And, and I got to give him a, a lot of love. Tyree. He's been working so hard and he's really doing his thing. So motivated, so passionate. The show say what say it again. I know it's been shouted out on this show before by Damien, but I wanted to do it myself because it, he's just doing a great job and I love it. And he's so passionate. Again, you could find him at, Tyray 910. That's T Y R A Y 910. Listen to his show. Check him out. He loves talking sports. And again, that's why you listen to us. You love sports. Same thing. Go check him out. 
excellent job at Tyre910 on Twitter. So with that all being said, giving our shout outs and another shout out to DMX from all of us right there. Uh, let's get the neighborhood news going. It's time to talk some football. That's what we love doing, right, guys? That's why we're here right now. Yes, sir. Well, then I say we do. We'll get a little background music going. All right. Very, very tiny background music. Going to make sure we hear what we can all say. Um, I didn't know this. I actually just read this earlier that James Conner went to the Cardinals. So I didn't even realize that. I don't know how big of a deal it is. What do you think, Damian? Uh, you know, they need some depth at running back. So they got, you know, somebody who come in and switch the pace up, run for him. He's, I think he proved last year that he's not like a every down guy, somebody who you go to for, to carry the load. Um, but as far as being a part of a system or a part of a combination of backs, I think he could be helpful in that way. So good pickup by Arizona. You know, it's very low risk. It could be high reward. Yeah. I mean, you know, here's the thing. They lost Kenyon Drake. He's going uh, to the Raiders this year. So, you know, they have to get somebody else in that backfield over there um, to help Chase Edmonds, who's still around, Nikki. So, you know what, James Conner, yeah, we're still not sure how great he is, but I think it's a good move. What do you think? I think so. I mean, it's not like earth shattering for them, you right. know, but I mean, yeah, no good pickup. Like D said, it could be uh, you know, it's low risk could be high reward for them. So, you know, it doesn't work out. I don't think they're losing much either. And if it does, Hey, good all around. Yeah. Yeah. The Cardinals, they're going for it this year. We're going to talk about them later when that play a play comes up. We got double action on that today with the West and the South it just happens to be Damien's and ours. Uh, favorite uh, divisions over there, obviously he with the Saints and me with the 49ers, but going over to the Patriots side of the world, Julian Edelman retiring and all the chatter is about, is he a Hall of Famer? The guy just retired five seconds ago and now we want to see, is he a Hall of Famer or not? I don't know how deep you want to get into this guys right now, but I'm going to try to, let me, let me try to pull up his numbers while we're doing this and while we're talking about it. When I think of Julian Edelman, I think of, obviously, the playoffs. Now, you have to have team success in order to get there, correct? So how much do we give love to him? He was a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, he was always there. Yeah, sure, guy got hurt a little bit and whatnot. But um, without the playoff numbers, I think that we can pretty much say that he probably wouldn't be going into the Hall of Fame. Now, let me give it to you real quick. I just pulled it up. Receiving yards, guys. Um, Here we go. Oh, God. I mean, they're, they're really that. We had one year. No, no, no. It's not that bad. Look, uh, 1,056 in 2013, just under 1,000 the following year. Um, then he had 1,100 in 2017. And then 2019, he had 1,117 as well. So they're not all bad, but he was always that guy that Brady relied on. And again, how big he came up in the playoffs. If you had to ask me immediately, Nikki, I would say he's a Hall of Famer. What do you think? The, uh, you guys are up at Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame, but not. Oh, hey, whoa, whoa! Don't say you guys. <laughs> 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 like, no, no. I mean, but did you guys see this debate yesterday? Okay, then Heinz Ward should be in the Hall of Fame, and he's still can't. So I, no, I can't. I just, I, I can't. I can't do it. No. Why? Like you just read his numbers. They're not Why? awful. I mean, he's got well, they're three, not great over either. Dollars. You guys always harp on how you got to be like so amazing in the in the, uh, you know, regular season. I mean, they're not great either. If he does get in, oh, it's obviously not going to be first ballot. And I think he's going to have to wait like 25 years. 
okay, here we go. 100 receptions, 98 receptions, 92, 105, 74. Damien, it sounds like you're on the opposite side also. Now, again, this is just an initial thought. I got to go through it, and I'm basing it more on playoff success, but his regular season numbers aren't terrible. They're not as bad as I thought. Not a lot of touchdowns. You know, I, I totally agree, but well, what do you, where do you stand on this one? Yeah, I wouldn't have him in the Hall of Fame. You got to think about it. Hall of Famers at least have to be Pro Bowlers. He's never been into the Pro Bowl. Um, That's so a big point. <laughs> yeah, so for, so for me, I have to say no. He is somebody who you remember in those clutch moments. The catch against Atlanta will never forget. I don't right. know how he caught that ball when it was basically between two people. It tipped up and he caught it like literally an inch off the ground. Um, so he definitely had great moments. He'll be remembered as a great Patriot. He should get, you know, his number retired there and have his name on their wall of fame. Um, but as far as getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, no. Like she mentioned, Heinz Ward, Chad Ochocinco, Brandon Marshall. There's mm-hmm. so many receivers who are better than him who won't get in. Mm-hmm. He can't get in. All right. I hear what you're saying, and I'm playing more devil's advocate right now because, again, I'm leaning more toward it because – Again, I look at the playoff success, the three Super Bowl championships. He was actually MVP, like I said, of one of them in a game where nobody, he was the only offensive threat on either side in that game against the Rams, it was 13 to three. I just think there's a lot to be said for playing your best in the biggest moments also. Yeah, no, his numbers are not Hall of Fame numbers. There's no question. I, I, I absolutely get that. But don't we got to sometimes say, all right, it's not all about the numbers. We have to look at the product on the field and, also the team that you're around. And I get that. And he was one of the main guys. Look, when do they ever have a really big wide receiver, the Patriots? He was the only one to go to. Yeah, no, they, they're not as far as their history. You know, you have your people that stood out like Moss for a couple of years, um, but he came into a role that was already in their offense as well. Right. He was pretty much Moss Walker, Danny Amendola, then him. Like there was a role set up for the short, fast white guy. That's what they yeah, had there yeah. with the Patriots. And he just fit right into that role. And he was great. He was great at it. But he was not Hall of Fame great. Like I said, Hall of Famers have to be at least pro bowlers. And he never made it to a pro bowl. There's a reason for that. He came up big in big moments. You're right. But you got to be, con- for my book, you have to be consistently great to be in the Hall of Fame. And I can't put him there for having those great moments. But he will be remembered. Like I said, Patriots Wall of Fame, he definitely should be there. Um, if they're going to put a statue of him out there, I wouldn't mind that. But as far as a pro football Hall of Fame, no, because there's so many wide receivers, like I named earlier, who won't get in, who are better than him. Reggie Wayne might not get in. And look at Reggie Wayne's stats. They're just nuts. Mm-hmm. And you can't put Edelman ahead of those guys. No, I definitely would never put Edelman ahead of Reggie Wayne. And Reggie Wayne will be a Hall of Famer one day. The last thing I will say about this, we're going to move on to the next thing. And Nikki, just if it adds any credence to his uh, career, the fact that Edelman also was on special teams. He did punt return. He threw the ball through touchdowns. They actually let him do a bunch of end arounds, however it was. And he was just very dynamic in those ways where he can help out and do whatever the team wanted. I think that has a little bit, you know, the say in as far as how things go, do you, do you give him any extra points for that? And then we'll, we'll close it out. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, Damien, do you, any, any little extra credit for that part right there? Um, He gets extra credit as far as with the Patriots. Yeah. I do remember him being a very good punt returner. Again, that's going to be another reason to put him in the Patriots wall of fame and maybe yeah. get him a statue. 
but again, not for the pro football Hall of Fame, no, because it wasn't like he was on a Deion Sanders, Devin Hester type level of a returner. Oh God, no, no, couldn't, no. I, that's the, that's the top of the that's the top of it, man. That's the tip of the iceberg, right there. Goes for it. All right, all right. I like the debate. I like the debate. I'm sure more going to have it, and uh, I want to see it, but we won't, won't know for five, six, seven years, obviously, because uh, he's definitely not. Look, if he does get in the Hall of Fame, it's not going to be on the first ballot, most likely. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, guys, but let's breeze through this part real quick. We already know what's going to go on at one and two, most likely, but Lawrence and then Zach Wilson. The 49ers are going to see Justin Fields' second pro day, and apparently they're just holding it for the 49ers. You know, a couple other teams are going to show up, and they wanted to see Trey Lance also. Damien, is, is this more of a smokescreen, or do you see something into it? What do you think that the Niners should do again you know, we talked we, we talked a lot a lot about it last week. Do you think that they're going there because they're really now interested in fields, or they're trying to put up a smoke screen uh, to the rest of the league? I think they wanted to see him in person, check him out. Um, they may have already had their minds made up, but maybe they see something there that sweeps them off their feet, and they go, "Okay, this is the guy that could take us to the next level and be the guy for us for the next fifteen years." Um, but honestly, if they haven't seen it on film. I don't think they're going to see it there. I think it's just something as far as maybe being in person, they want to see, you know, the velocity of the ball come out of his hands, things like that. Um, but I right. do think their decision may be made at this point. I have no idea where they're going to go. Um, if it was me personally, I would go Justin Fields, you know, based off of my YouTube research that I do. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but for as far as the people who watch it on a daily basis and scout and do all those things, they've already got their minds made up. And this is just an extra step to make sure they submitted their decision in that process. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Uh, that that makes a lot of sense. You definitely want to check every box you can, Nikki. So um, with them going to see Justin Fields and, uh, you know, maybe even Trey Lance or anything, do you agree with Damien that their mind is definitely made up or you think they're still tossing it between a couple of these quarterbacks no i would think your mind is made up by now i i would think I, yeah I, I mean why would you still be tossing it around like you've seen everything you could see i get like you know dotting your eyes crossing your t's doing that that double check just making sure you know and test drive the car 27 times before i buy it i get it but like i am sure by now if they're not a hundred percent mind made up they are heavily leaning one way by now yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, I would have to agree with that. I mean, there's. I think there's a reason why Mac Jones' name came out so quickly the second they made the trade. There's a reason for that. Um, so I'm. I'm gonna have to go off that. Also, was it the best move? I'm not quite so sure. I'd love to have Justin Fields' skill set, but again, like we talked about last week, uh, Damien, it just it's the way that Mac Jones fits the system and the people talk about, Oh, well, you know, you shouldn't go guy because he just fits your system. And I was listening to Lewis Riddick uh, this morning who knows more football, uh, he, you know, forgotten more football than we'll ever know. And he was saying, no, you do go get a guy who can fit your system, a guy who you understand. And you'll, you know, obviously very accurate. You're only going to ask him to do a certain amount of number of things. And that's what you do. Why, if you have a, a set, a successful system, Damien, you don't want to break it. Not saying that Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, any of them would break it necessarily. But if they look at Mac Jones and they're like, he's got everything that we want and we can make him better. I guess that's the direction they are going to go. Yes. It's an interesting point that Riddick made, but for me, if there's a player who's special enough for you to trade all those picks that you guys trade, it's move up to three. You pick him, you see what works with him. 
Like we've seen so many players come to this league that could be special and they've had to go to different teams or have a different head coach come in. And then we see them take off, right? Because they, that system was able to push them unlike the previous system, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We have like perfect example, Jeff Fisher being the head coach with the Rams. We thought Jared Goff was a bust. Now, Jared Goff, we don't think is great, but he definitely was somebody who now we now know is a starting caliber quarterback once McVay got there and he was able to play in McVay's system. Um, so once you, you have that quarterback there who you believe has talent, find out what he does best and you should go ahead and make it around him because a lot of times you'll have that a coach who has a successful system and they get arrogant with that system and say, oh, I can plug whoever in this system and it works. And you ignore their talents. Like if you had, for example, Lamar Jackson, and you were just asking him just to be a pocket quarterback because that's your system, that would be a waste. So like if you, whoever you have, build that system around them. Baltimore did a perfect thing. They built a system for Lamar Jackson that works. Makes perfect sense. You know, it, it does make sense. And, you know, again, it's not like he's a schlep quarterback. You know, I mean, it's 77 percentage completion percentage. It's college. It's different. I understand all that. But look, if they find they haven't proven me wrong yet. I mean, they even made Jimmy Garoppolo look good when he was on the field. So th- that's one thing. Um, all right. So Carolina got Sam Darnold. So we're pretty sure they're not going to draft a quarterback. I'd be shocked at this point, even though some people are still throwing it out there. So that gives Denver the opening sort of, uh, you know, Detroit. They just got Jared Goff at number seven. Miami's not going to with two. Cincinnati's got Burrow and Atlanta at number four. Now, everybody, before we get to that next quarterback position, everybody's flipping out, Nikki, about, about Kyle Pitts. And you were the first one to bring him up on the show. And everybody's saying Atlanta should take him at number four. The Cowboys want to move up to take him, Jerry Jones, all this and that. And then you hear a lot of other analysts, Nikki, that say, you don't take a tight end. You don't take that position that high. Well, I think that's a bunch of BS. If you could take Keyshawn Johnson, and, and this is a not, not, not a knock against him, but if you could take Keyshawn Johnson with the number one overall pick as the wide receiver, you could take a great tight end who is like a wide receiver with the fourth pick. And if that's what Atlanta wants to do, I was against it in the beginning, but now I'm kind of getting on board if that's what they want. So with the, with the fourth pick with the Falcons, we're going to get into, do you think that they should, you know, keep with Ryan and, and get another weapon or do they have to maybe think about the quarterback of the future? Um, well, I know we'll get into it, but in terms of, yes, now I keep hearing Kyle Pitts everywhere. Uh, everybody's singing his praises. Look, I'm just a believer in, you take the best available player. Oh, you don't take a tight end right away. Okay. I mean, you got, please who like, let's just think about ridiculous draft picks like Ryan Leaf, Tim Couch. Like, I mean, come on. There are so many guys that are drafted that you look back and you're like, what the hell were they thinking? So to take the second best athlete in the draft at number four, yeah, that's what they want to do. Go do it. But I don't see anything wrong. If you're in Atlanta spot, They're kind of like, they probably should just trade back. But even if they don't, I mean, just take like the second best athlete, take the next available best player. I don't understand what is wrong with taking best available. I mean, these guys at the end of the, you know, line are probably going to have to do that. I mean, we even talked about like Pittsburgh probably having to do that too. Like just take the best available player. Like I even do that in fantasy draft. Sometimes you're stuck and it's like, okay, 
let me just take best available and figure it out. Like uh, with this guy, with Kyle Pitts, I, I don't think it's going to be hard for a team to figure out. I think he's just going to work. And if that's the guy, then you go and take him. Don't, because who said don't take a tight end? Uh, who said that? They also said to the giant, oh, you don't take, oh, Dave Gettleman, don't take Saquon. You never take a running back. I mean, he got vilified for that. Unfortunately, he got hurt, but like, hey, it worked out for us. Yeah, yeah, but when that guy's healthy, I mean, there's no question about it. You make an excellent point right there, Nikki. I love it. Damien, I want to hear what you got to say specifically about Kyle Pitts, not, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, but all this about him and a tight end being drafted so high. No, I don't think a tight end's been drafted in the top five overall since something like 1973 or something like, something like really ridiculous. But do you think that he's worth all this for teams that are looking to maybe move up for this guy or even Atlanta taking him? Is he worth it to be the first position player, non-quarterback player off the board? Yeah, if you believe he's a special talent, you got to look at it from this standpoint. So if we go back, would you draft someone like a Travis Kelsey in the top five? I think so. Yeah. He makes he makes that big of a difference. A George Kittle. You would draft George Kittle again if you guys got lucky to get him later on. But if you had to trade up and get him in the top five, you would do it if you're San Francisco. I so agree. if you believe he's that type of talent, I've heard comparisons to Jimmy Graham when Jimmy Graham was with the Saints. If you believe he can be that dynamic, that dominant, yeah, you take him top five. You know, um, I got to give a big shout out to um, Chris Lewis, the second host of the Dropped Balls podcast. He had a podcast where he talked about Kyle Pitts specifically and if he's the best tight end prospect we've seen. And he said he's not the best, but he's definitely up there. Uh, he actually said Vernon Davis was probably the best prospect we've seen come out because Vernon Davis was running like a four three something at tight right. end, just stupid. Um, <laughs> so with him, though, with Kyle Pitts, you have somebody who's just on that level of athleticism as Vernon Davis, like right there, you know, right underneath him. So if you believe he could be a Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Jimmy Graham with the Saints, you know, Tony Gonzalez, Shannon Sharp, that type, yeah, you take him that high. Yeah, if you see like if you see the NFL potential already with this kid can walk on the field and play ball right away because he's big, he's fast, and he can if he's got the mindset and the intellect, yep, you can throw him on the field right away. No doubt about it. So I'm not buying that whole no, you don't draft the, this position sort of stuff. You know, the same thing been said about running backs. I may be more on board with that with the way that they're paid out, but again, that's a totally different story. But really, who cares what people say? Like, who actually gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, these teams, like, oh, you're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. Like, who cares? Like, you do what's best for your team. That's exactly right. And that's why they, it's white noise to everybody else. They're not listening. They're totally tuning it out. That's that's exactly my point. And that's right. That's exactly why Atlanta will do what they want to do. New head coach, new everything. So we'll see how it goes down. But as far as the quarterback thing and, um, you know, get out of neighborhood news and do our applause and tomatoes, it looks like Denver has a clear path now. But I'm trying to look through the draft to see if there's any team that would jump up and want to take a quarterback ahead of them. Um, Most teams are set. I wonder if the Minnesota Vikings would be a team that would do that. We went over the NFC North already. Kirk Cousins is going to be gone most likely after this year. Do you think, Damian, that maybe they should jump up and draft one of these guys? Um, if Kirk Cousins can be gone, I know he we was it just last year when they re-upped his contract? Um, yeah, uh, next year it'll be like it won't be a big deal if they take him off the board next year, but not okay. this year. But it seems like they have a liking for Kirk Cousins, like they believe in him. Um, I don't, I'm not a big oh, Kirk wow. Cousins guy. Um, <laughs> but if they do, 
you know, he's still not old yet. You know, he's not the youngest guy, but he's not old yet. Um, so if they believe in him, then, you know, I guess they can go ahead and ride that. And they do need a lot of help around him. It's not just him. Like, the team has a lot going on. Um, so if they believe in him, I would take another position. Uh, the team that looks like they need to jump ahead of Denver or jump ahead of anybody would be New England. So if I was Denver, that's the only team that I would be worried about. But we still don't know if Denver even wants a QB. They might still believe in Drew Locke. Um, so that's why I think we're going to have two QBs drop and have like a major drop in this draft. Yeah, very, very, very interesting. I can even see a couple other teams, Nikki, at 19 and 20, if they wanted to make a move, uh, you know, at 20 QB1, Andy Dalton for the Chicago Bears, if they can do something, or maybe even the Washington football team. I know you got Ryan Fitzpatrick for this year, but if you have an unbelievable defense like that, and now you just picked up Curtis Samuel, and, you know, you could do something on offense, I don't know if I'm Washington. Maybe I want to go get somebody better than, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick for just the one year. I don't know. So Denver may have to move up. Otherwise, they're clean. Or even like Damien said, maybe they're not even going for a quarterback. What do you think? Oh, Denver or Minnesota? Uh, Denver, <laughs> well, Denver, Denver wants one, I believe. In Minnesota, I know we're going to get rid of Kirk Cousins next year. I think they know by now they can't win with him. So do you think either one of those teams would jump ahead? Minnesota, New England whatever would jump ahead of Denver to grab a quarterback and that screws Denver over. I did predict that new England might do that. So I will stick with my prediction. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. Fair enough. Good deal. Good deal. All right. So that's pretty much it for neighborhood news. You know, there's other things that we can get to, you know, with Teddy Bridgewater, but we have no idea what's going to happen with him right now. And it's just the quarterbacks coming up. The draft is coming up next week. So we're really excited. So we're going to get all into that, uh, the draft, the NFL draft. It's just like the, the first, just the first round is just so amazing. It just makes me so happy. I love those sounds. It's like, where's that little chime sound that they make? I know I have it somewhere over here. Here it is. <laughs> all right. So we're going that to That sound do it. does bring joy to my heart. It, it does. does. I just had like a smile <laughs> on my face. Like, ah, the draft is uh, coming. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. As soon as the Niners make their pick, I'm probably just going to go take a nap after that. Oh, I'm so stop sh- it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, X, what are we going to do now? <laughs> All right. Let's do applause and tomatoes. Nikki, you always start it off. Wind her up and let her go. All right. I'm throwing my tomatoes this week at Canada. The whole freaking country? Yeah, I am. The whole freaking country is getting tomatoes. Um, And they are getting tomatoes because... So apparently their COVID vaccine is like... The rollout is nothing short of like a nightmare for them. Um, And pretty horrendous. Like if you try to get like one vaccine, you have to wait four months for your next one. Whereas here in the States, it's like two weeks. Um, And so... It's actually put the NHL in a very weird spot. And I kind of feel bad for them because so let's not forget seven of the 31 teams are Canadian. And since the borders are closed, the NHL has figured out that we will just let the seven Canadian teams play each other. Um, But unfortunately, the Vancouver Canucks have had a massive outbreak of COVID. And since they can't get vaccinated, the NHL wants to or they're talking about bringing 
the Canadian players to the States so that they could get vaccinated because the New York Rangers just gave their team a day off so they could get vaccinated, but the border is closed. So it's causing problems for um, the upcoming playoffs. The NHL is not quite sure what to do. Um, so I'm just throwing all my tomatoes at Canada because you're freaking Canada. You're not some third world country. And Canada came out and said, well, we, we don't have the ability to produce vaccines. So we're, we're waiting for the rest of the world supply chain. Like, are you serious? You're waiting for the rest of the world supply chain. So I just, I'm throwing all the tomatoes at them because it is just so ridiculous. It's 2021. You're Canada. You can't get it together. We have a major sports organization like the NHL, who's kind of between a rock and a hard place. And you're just sitting back waiting for the global supply chain. No, I can't roll with that. It's an embarrassment. So all the tomatoes to Canada. Wow. Yeah. So universal health coverage over there in Canada is really not working out too well, apparently, right now. Yeah, Nikki, I knew about, about this story, but uh, I didn't even know that in depth. That That's a hot mess right there, Damien. Or a, a cold mess, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't know because canada at first was you know somebody that was applauded or a country that was applauded for you know the way they handled the outbreak of covid you know they did a better job than the united states right when it first happened and throughout the process uh, so the fact that they're struggling now is surprising um, but i see why they got all those cold tomatoes thrown at them mm-hmm. yeah definitely see it there wow all right well i can't wait to hear your tomatoes thing all right, so for my tomatoes this week, I'm just throwing my tomatoes at and something, an idea or something that's, that's not something I actually throw it at, um, but injuries. Oh, I just hate injuries so much. And uh, in basketball, we lost Jamal Murray this week, torn ACL. And you saw it right away, right when he stepped down and his knee buckled and he was driving in pain. And you would think by 2021, we would have something where we could prevent these injuries, some type of like thin body armor they could wear to where no one would get hurt ever again. You know, we're supposed to, we're supposed to have flying cars by this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that goes to um, Jason's um, unpopular opinion. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh boy. Tech, <laughs> about yeah. the technology. Um, one that's going to be five years from now, Jason could be like, I told you guys, it's going to have yep. some suit <laughs> that prevents injuries. And Jason could be like, they've been had this. Yep. Um, but yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so that's my, my, just some injuries, man. I hate injuries so much. So I'm throwing my tomatoes at injuries and hopefully one day we get those suits made to where it could prevent injuries like this from happening. Oh man, I like that. Well done. Yeah. Injuries is terrible. It's, you know, one guy go out, especially in football, it's your quarterback, you're done, you know, basketball, your best player, Jamal Murray, him and Jokic. Yeah. That, that's a rough one right there. Damn. Oh boy. Well, my tomatoes, it's, obvious for the world but i really haven't gone out and said until now i'm absolutely sure obviously what the jets are doing my all my tomatoes going to the jets right now for not making the deal that miami made with the 49ers and trading out of that second spot keeping sam darnold who is still 23 years old and now zach wilson he may turn out to be you know a really good maybe a great quarterback but still he's going to come in with the same team unless they really hit it on a couple other draft picks in the draft it's not looking really good for these guys right now. And Zach Wilson's probably going to have the same problems that Sam Donald did. And now Donald's going to a much better situation. We're going to look at him and say, wow, oh, yeah, the kid could play. Sam Donald can definitely play. The Jets screwed this one up big time. They should have built around him. So that's where I'm going with my tomatoes. Just have to do it once and for all now that I know that we're, they're finally getting Zach Wilson or 99.9% sure. 
Uh, Nikki, do we have the time for applause or should we take a quick commercial break? We got five minutes. Oh, then we, we definitely got it. All right, here's my applause, guys. You know, I was uh, snaking around. Major League Baseball, we don't talk about it much in the show, so I'm going to talk about it for a second. Joe Musgrove threw the first no-hitter in San Diego Padres history, and they're the last Major League Baseball team to have a pitcher throw a no-hitter. So the Padres finally got it done, and I know exactly how it feels because the Mets were the second-to-last team to have no pitcher throw a no-hitter from 1962 when they were created, and they came over, and then Johan Santana got over to New York, and he threw our first no-hitter waiting all those years. So I know the feelings. So shout out to Joe Musgrove and the Padres for getting your first no-hitter. What do you got, D? So for my applause this week, I'm going to go ahead and give a shout-out to Molly Karam or Molly Karam Rose um, from First Take. I was watching it this morning, and they were talking about uh, the most recent um, police brutality where a young African-American was killed um, by a police officer. And this one, uh, the police are saying it was accidental that the uh, police officer actually wanted to reach for their taser and accidentally reached for their gun, which, you know, makes no sense. But we're not going to go nope. too deep into it. Um, but with Molly Karam, she really touched me today with the way she talked about it, um, being the fact that she's not African-American, but um, the you could tell it was just genuinely real to her and how she felt about it and emotions came across. So I just want to give my applause to her for just being in touch with our community in that way and having that much empathy for us in that way. So um, shout out to Molly Carol Rose. That's a fantastic shout out. She's awesome. She's professional and she's the only one who can keep Stephen A. Smith in control. So it is pretty amazing. All right. Uh, go ahead, Nick. Let's, let's get some applause out here. We'll take a quick break. Yeah, real quick, my applause is going to my boy, Eli Manning, who, if anybody doesn't know, is extremely, extremely active um, in his charitable uh, donations. Um, and so today, I don't know if anybody saw it, but he does a lot with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, surprised one of the families of the kids and, you know, donated $10,000 check to tackle kids cancer on behalf of him and the New York Giants. So just shout out to Eli does a ton of stuff for the community behind the scenes that don't always get recognized. And that is part of it. You don't always have to get accolades for it. But I just thought it was a cool thing and a nice surprise for the family and uh, a nice story. Yeah, well, there you go. Hey, look, he's a Hall of Famer off the field. There you go. So that's how we'll leave that. No doubt. No doubt about it. All right. So, guys, we'll be back in 60 seconds. Enjoy this DMX action. We'll see you in a few. Way in the door. Hey. 
podcast kicking your ass damian nikki and jason are here we are ready to go the nfl draft is coming up in a week and we are ready to hit up our last two mount player players of the divisions heading into the draft we have the nfc south and nfc west for you this week double the pleasure double the fun and we're going to get ready to get into this one so damian and mine division what are we going to do what are these teams going to do i can't wait to find out but as we are prophets over here, and we always know what's going to happen before it happens, let's tell the folks now. So, Damien, we'll start with your division and your team, who finished in first place, despite not me, you know, okay, not the Bucks. I don't want to remind Ben News, but... Oh, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, the state, they, I'm saying they still won the division. They won the division. They beat the Bucks twice in the regular season, did a good job. But now no Drew Brees is there. They're going with Jameis Winston, it appears... Uh, Damien, I definitely want to go to you first and set this up for us over here because you know this team inside and out. Are they going to try to draft a quarterback at some point? And if not, what the hell do they need? Because they're definitely a stacked team. So what's going to put them over the edge? Yeah, I don't think we go for a QB. Definitely not that early. Uh, if we do draft one, to be later on. Some guy we can put as a third guy, a project guy. Maybe he could develop or we take a low risk and he turns out to be the guy. Um, but not somebody we expect to help immediately at all. Um, so I think we're going to go cornerback or a wide receiver in the first round. Um, cornerback, we need a second cornerback on the side of Marshawn Lattimore. And now with Lattimore having legal issues, he may miss some time this upcoming season. So we might have to draft a couple um, to try to fill that void. So I think we're going to go cornerback. If there's a stud cornerback late in the first round, I would love to get him. On wide receiver, we did let Emmanuel Sanders go. So I think we need that second guy to be alongside Michael Thomas, a second position guy or possession guy, I should say. Um, so either cornerback or receiver in the first round. Yeah, I, uh, I got no problem with either one of those, actually. That's exactly what I have written down besides quarterback, Nikki. Um, yeah, secondary, they're going to have to do something over there. You know, it's, obviously it's a passing league and it's a passing division. Um, but, you know, also as far as getting another playmate, you have to. With Jameis Winston there, now, you know, Drew Brees was able to think and dunk his way. That's not Winston's style, even though I believe that Sean Payton is going to change a lot of things about his game revolving around the team and whatnot. But now they don't really have as many weapons. And we saw with that Michael Thomas not there last year, how much he could have helped them. So I think getting a wide receiver would be great. It depends how, you know, how far along they fall because the Saints don't draft to what, 26th or something like that. I got to look at yeah, it. Right? I think it's 28. 28 or even worse. So. What do you think, Nick? If, they, if there's a good wide receiver waiting around for them, you think they draft one, or would you rather go defense? Yeah, no, that's exactly what I wrote down. I wrote, let's get some new weapons and let's start at wide receiver. So I'm with you guys. I think that, uh, yeah, get another playmaker out there. No Drew Brees, but uh, some offensive weapons, Sean Payton. I'm I'm confident that that will be an explosive offense. They'll, they'll uh, I don't think they're going to miss too much of a beat. Yeah, I think they're also going to try at some point, you know, to try to find like a hidden gem of a lineman in there because, 
again, we talk about Drew Brees' style, getting the ball out more quickly usually. Jameis Winston will hold on to it longer. And again, Damon, we talked about Sean Payton's going to change a lot of that. But what, what do you see knowing now that most likely it is Jameis Winston, he's the quarterback, we're talking about your team right now, how much confidence do you have going forward with him that Sean Payton can take away a lot of those uh, turnovers? Well, I definitely have the utmost confidence in Jameis Winston. That's why he is my prediction for this year's quantum leap. So, yes, I have the most confidence in Jameis because I have the most confidence in Sean Payton. Sean Payton's given me no reason to not trust him. If he believes that he can be the one to turn it around for Jameis, I believe it can happen. Jameis definitely has the physical talent. So I think a year away from being a starting QB in this league, probably humbled Jameis. And he got a year to learn from Drew Brees, to learn from Sean Payton. I think that's definitely going to be detrimental to helping him out. So I believe that he can be the guy. And the offensive line is really good. You know, you talk about him maybe holding the ball longer than Drew. But the offensive line is good. So he could, they can handle him holding the ball a little bit longer. And I don't want him being out there, you know, like someone who just holds it just forever. Like, he can't be Russell Wilson out there. Um, but he can hold the ball just a little bit longer, have routes go down the field, which we didn't have these past two years with Breeze's arm, you know, losing the luster that it had. So I think that he can definitely take that quantum leap and be major this year. All right. All right. Well, hey, look, man, I'm definitely rooting for you. Not as much as the 49ers, obviously. It's, I root for the Saints and Giants equally now because of the two of you. That's the way it goes. But moving on to the Bucks, yes, they did win the championship. And I'm still kind of in disbelief that Tom Brady just went over there and they end up winning the Super Bowl. It blows me away. Funny that Jameis Winston was the guy who went away so Tom Brady can come in. This is a team that has everything, guys. So you know what I would do? I mean, if <laughs> I'm not saying trade up or anything like that, but they're going to need a quarterback at some point. They have to draft a quarterback in this draft. What if Tom Brady gets hurt? Then, you know, then what the hell? You know, that could happen, God forbid. So I think they need to get a quarterback in this draft, guys. I'm not saying it has to be their first pick because they need still need, you know, offensive linemen, maybe a wide receiver to help out or something. But, uh, Nikki, I got to start thinking quarterback if I'm the Bucs, knowing that Brady is not going to really be there forever. Oh, don't tell Brady that. I mean, this this guy thinks he's playing until he's like 55 or something. Yeah, at some point it's going to kick in. Though. He's the one, Jay, that has your secret technology this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Only the Richie Richie said it. <laughs> it's that TV 12 diet. He gets uh, mm-hmm. one beer every couple months as a treat, some soybeans. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. No, damn this team. They don't need anything. Like, just, you don't need anything, all right? You're greedy, getting Giovanni <laughs> Bernard on, like, another one-year deal. You know, Brady probably will play till he's freaking 50. I mean, yeah, Jay, get it. They probably do need to start thinking quarterback. What I think they're going to do, though, is probably go get another dynamic wide receiver, add that to the mix. And you know what, though? Really, any rookie coming in, can you ask for a better place to learn? I don't think so. Yeah, no kidding. Why? Whoever they do draft at 32, that's a really good point. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, they're going to a great team right there. But there's the whole Tom Brady thing, like I'm saying, Damien. What do you think about that? And do you think do you think they should go after a quarterback this year, or do you think they should keep protecting him? What's what do you think? No, that's actually really interesting because it's funny. Even though they have a quarterback who's going to be forty five, I didn't even think about it. Um, but when <laughs> you brought it up, it's like that does make sense. It would make right? sense for them to be the, the <laughs> it makes sense for them to be the surprise team 
to trade up and get one of those two guys that I'm predicting will take a fall. So if the Bucks, you know, make that look, especially like a Trey Lance, because a lot of people saying Trey Lance is a guy who may have to sit down for a year to right. really adjust to the NFL game. So if they traded up and took a Trey Lance, now that I think about it, it wouldn't be super surprising to have him sit behind Brady for a year um, or two, knowing Brady. Uh, but if they're not going to go QB, I can see him going wide receiver. Like Nikki said, they don't need anything really. Um, maybe, maybe cornerback, um, but their defense was dynamic in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I could just see them going wide receiver if they can't solve it with Antonio Brown. Maybe they try to replace him with somebody in the draft. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. We all know how much uh, Tom Brady loves his slot wide receivers over there. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. All right. Uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, still think possibly quarterback if they go like a Kyle Trask later on. I don't know if that's even worth it, but we'll see. Time will tell. Moving on to the Panthers now, um, second year in the Matt Rule. Now they got Sam Darnold, Christian McCaffrey's coming back. Their problem was defense for the most part. They were still able to run the ball without McCaffrey, but you do got to get some weapons for Darnold over here. Otherwise, it could be a repeat of the Jets action. He's got Robbie Anderson still, Damian. Um, what do you think? I like their weapons on offense. Uh, I thought that um, that's probably one of the reasons why they don't believe in Teddy because he didn't take full advantage of those weapons on offense. But I do believe there are weapons there, especially when Christian McCaffrey's healthy. Um, so I would go defense again. I know um, they went all defense last year, um, but they still need cornerback help. That secondary isn't the best. Um, so I would go cornerback there. If there's a highly rated cornerback you could take in the top 10, I'll go cornerback. Okay, that's interesting. All right, what do you think, Nikki? Because they drafted for eight. I'm going to get it up real quick, but I think it's uh, number eight. Yeah, it's yeah number eight. eight. So I think... Obviously, look, unless like one of these quarterbacks, they absolutely love falls to them. They, they don't have to address that. But I do think they need to address that offensive line a little bit. I think they're in a good spot. Take one of these top rated offensive linemen, start building like an elite line and get Sam Darnold protection. Like, just please protect this guy. want to see this kid like on a decent team behind a good line and like just see what he can do with a fair shot. So I think just, you know, start building that offensive line for them that makes a lot of sense it does because they're not in contention for the Super Bowl this year probably even next year if they're ever going to get to that point so you know me built from the inside out I'm all about that I wrote offensive line and defensive line yeah I still think they can use a weapon they lost Curtis Samuel but Christian McCaffrey's coming back um so yeah I I do want to see them maybe get another weapon for him so maybe there's a you know another diamond in the rough out there in the second third round at wide receiver that they can get uh, we'll see if they don't do that with their first pick. All right, last team in that division, Falcons. We talked about it before with the fourth pick overall. Kyle Pitts, we're all like saying, if he's that great, go get him. But they can certainly use a pass rusher. They can definitely use some help in the secondary. They got to find a running back. This this is a team that needs everything, but isn't even but isn't that far away. I know it sounds crazy. They need just an upgrade everywhere, and they're not going to be able to do all of that in the first round. Uh, obviously in the draft or even this entire draft, Nikki. So if you're the Falcons, what would be your number one move? Would it be Kyle Pitts? Cause we know he's going to be there or would you go in a different direction? Um, Like I said, I would take best available. I mean, truthfully, they probably should trade back, but like we said, I mean, who's, who's trading with them? Maybe new England. I'm not sure. So listen, if that's, 
Kyle Pitts and that's the best available. I think you take him and you run with it and, and see, but they do need a lot of help. Like that defense is so, oh my God. And they need to remember how to play football because as I remember last year, they can remember the rules and you got some special teams problems. <laughs> so like they got to address a lot, but listen, if the second best athlete is there, I think you take them and that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Listen, I think it'd be best suited for them because they're in it for the long haul now, especially in this division with the Bucks and the Saints, who still probably are going to be remaining good teams for a while, and maybe the Panthers on the rise. It would be best, in my opinion, for the Falcons to trade back for a team who's going to give them, you know, maybe a first overall, you know, this year, maybe net, whatever it may be, if they can get something like that. I think that's what the Falcons should do, Damian. Um, otherwise, what's in your mind? Yeah, if they don't trade back for, you know, a number of assets, they're going to make the pick. Take, go ahead and take Kyle Pitts. They do need a tight end. So it's not only is it a need, it's the best player available and a need. Go ahead and knock out two birds with one stone. And yeah. if he is, you know, truly dynamic, not only do you get a bird, but you might get a full eagle. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and take the tight end. And I'm pretty sure – he will do some wonders. We saw what Tony Gonzalez did there some years back with Matt Ryan. Um, yeah. So you think about getting a younger version of somebody who might be that good. Why not? Mm-hmm. That's a, hey, if it wasn't for the 49ers, Tony Gonzalez could have been his first Super Bowl, but took him down in the NFC championship in Atlanta, baby. We'll never forget it. And speaking of which going over to my division right now, now play player continues with the NFC West. However, as Damien's team is on the top, mine's on the bottom, so I guess they're going to be last. Seattle won the division, guys, as we know, had a poor performance in the playoffs. They got worse as the year went on. Russell Wilson in the offseason. Nikki, talk to me. What does this team do? Oh, my God. Well, so they they don't have a pick uh, in the first round. So, like, this is what they're dealing with. Limited picks. They have three picks this year. Um this team needs to fill so many holes and like, you're just not going to be able to do that with, with three picks. So uh, what I think they do is they probably trade down a few times to get more picks. Um, but that aside, I do think there is a chance that they go and try to find that value QB in the second round. I could see them doing that. Uh, but really with three picks, I think you just kind of want to get some more. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. They don't pick till number 56. I mean, so that was a great call. You know, they don't even have a first-round pick. They don't have the pick till the 56th pick, Damien. So, you know, starting from there, I mean, my goodness, obviously you're not getting the cream of the crop to rise to the top. But I, I still think no matter what, you're going to have to get as many offensive linemen as you could possibly get. And, again, keep trying to make Russell Wilson happy. Yeah, I keep hearing this is a tackle-heavy draft that you can get a quality tackle in the second and third rounds. So I will go there. You know, you haven't addressed the O-line this offseason in a big way. So if you're trying to keep Russell Wilson happy, get somebody that can help him out in that way. And they also do need an edge rusher as well. Um, So within those three picks, I think they're going to go O-line, edge, and probably cornerback. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be like two all lines and <clears throat> and an edge rusher if they can get it. I, yeah, we're pretty much all on the same page over here. Definitely agree. All right, we saw what the Rams did in the offseason. They freaking sold the house for uh, Matthew Stafford. All right. So obviously I'm, I'm just going to say right off the bat, they do have a good offensive line, but guys like Andrew Whitworth, who is like 59 years old already, you got to get protection. If you really want to win, they got the defense. It's obviously, of course you can, you know, draft other defensive players and make it better, but 
they need to score more points. You can't always rely on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. So I think you get another wide receiver maybe in the second round, unless there's a great one hidden there, you know, later on in the first. But otherwise, uh, Nikki, I think you got to protect Matt Stafford all day long and allow him to throw the ball to these guys. Uh, yeah, for sure. But here we're looking at another team. They don't pick until 57th, I think. That's so right. They don't have a first round. Um, last time they had six picks, I think it was 2015. They ended up turning that into nine picks. So I could maybe see them try to follow that a little bit again. Um, uh, yeah, they definitely do need to protect Matt Stafford, but they also need to address that linebacker position. So I could see them going there too. All right. All right. D, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm same thing. They need to protect Stafford. The O-line hasn't been the best since they went to the Super Bowl that year. The O-line has got progressively worse. Um, so I think that they should go O-line. Um, but they're obviously a team that believes in proven talent over prospects. Um, they've proven out every move they've made. They've like, you know, F these draft picks. Uh, we're just, <laughs> we just going to go ahead and get the players that we're going to get um, that we know can play. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, just trade more draft picks to try to get somebody who's already proven. Um, but like you said, they do have an older offensive lineman there in Whitworth who's still very good, but, you know, you only can depend on him for maybe so much longer. So I could see them trying to get his replacement. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm about for the Rams. Yeah, good job, Nikki, pointing out that neither one of those teams have a first-round pick. But how about the Arizona Cardinals? They're getting, you know, they got J.J. Watt, obviously with DeAndre Hopkins now, Kyler Murray going into his, what, third season this year? I got that correct because I can't count. So his yeah. third all right, so the Cardinals just missing the playoffs, but that's what they want to do this year. They want to get into the playoffs. They want to make some noise. People think that they are a playoff team this year. I'm still not quite so sure, even within that division, if 49ers get better. So the Cardinals right now, they had the 16th overall pick, Damian. Um, they do have holes in a few different spots, but with the 16th pick, what would you do with them? Cornerback, um, their defense gives up way too many points. They lost Patrick Peterson, who wasn't at his best last year, but it's still a loss. We no longer have him. Um, so I definitely think they should go cornerback. And if they can, they should draft a new head coach. I think that would definitely help them. <laughs> that would help them as well. Watching, I live here in Arizona. So I'm a Saints fan, but I watch, you know, I've watched pretty much all their games this past season. And some of the decisions that were made, um, some of sometimes when you watch them, man, even when they play the Giants, I watched that game. And they made that game so much harder than it had to be, even though I believe they won that game, if I remember correctly. They would get a turnover, get in the 10-yard line, go for it four times and not complete it. Uh, The famous play where uh, the wide receiver for Seattle, why is his name still in my mind right now? A monster who chased down Buda Baker. Yeah, DK Metcalf. He chased down Buda Baker. They get right down there. And what they don't do, they don't convert. Not even three points. Uh, they did that so many times during the season. So they need a cornerback, but I'm just not a fan of their head coach. Even when he was coming, when they initially hired him, I didn't get the hire at all. And he hasn't proven me wrong. So they need a new cornerback. And if they could, draft a new head coach. <laughs> pick one up, you know, maybe third round or something. No big deal. Straight back, whatever. <laughs> that is so, so well done right there. That's a great job. You know, Tampa Bay actually traded for John Gruden for a player. You know, yes. that actually happened that's that. true yeah maybe they could make it happen because i'm with you he never should have got the job to begin with nikki i'm totally on board with him there and he hasn't proven to be anything but an okay coach at best in the nfl it was just this marriage between him and kyla murray that's why he got the job 
So what that, you know, the Cardinals, look, I'm not knocking against Kyler Murray. I think he's going to keep getting better and understanding the game more. And of course you got to love his athletic ability, but um, yeah, they need definitely uh, help in the secondary patch. Peterson is gone right now. They have plenty of offense. They need to protect him more. So I would also go offensive lineman, but yeah, again, you know, it's a passing league. So what are you thinking? Um, yeah, no, the defense is a hot freaking mess. I mean, they have so many areas to fill there. Um, but what I keep seeing is the Jalen Waddle pick. I mean, I, they don't need to do that, but I could see them doing that. Uh, but they really got to get this defense together. And yeah, so D, if they had a different head coach, and I know you don't pick quantum leap teams, but could you see <laughs> this team taking a quantum leap with a different head coach? Like, would they get them like over the hump, like what kind who, if you had to pick a coach, who do you think would be a good fit? Oh, um, as far as a good fit, I would just have to go with like somebody who's a young offensive coordinator who is also going to do the right things as far as being able to manage the game. Um, I don't know offensive coordinators off the top of my head, but it'll be somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they had a right, the right head coach who would make the right decisions, I think this team can go from eight and eight to 10 and five, 11 and or uh, this year it would be 10 and seven, 11. I still got used to that. Um, so 10 and seven, <laughs> or 11, 11 and six. Um, so yeah, I think they could take that leap with a different coach, but I think they have committed to this guy, especially like Jason mentioned the relationship with Kyler Murray. Um, so they're going to give him another year. If they regress, I could see them maybe getting rid of him. Um, but if they stay at the same level, I think they'll give him another year or two. That's a good question, Nikki. Definitely a good question. Maybe Doug Peterson gets another shot after another failure. That's a, that's a good name right there. Yeah, he's somebody who has proven himself in the league, and we know what he could do offensively, especially with somebody who he trusts in the offense. So, yeah, that's a really good name. Yeah, it's it's a possibility. Yeah, yeah I like the question, Nikki. Very good. I we love better it. not hear this floating around this week. You know you My team of lawyers behind me. <laughs> I got you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Quick. We're counting on you. We're going to need you, obviously. Freaking thieves out there. All right. Getting to uh, saving the best for last, obviously, with the 49ers over here. Complete team, Super Bowl the year before, lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, whatever, whatever. So we need a quarterback. We're getting our quarterback, who it is, Mac Jones, Justin Fields. We're not sure yet, so we can leave that part out. But moving on to, they still have a bunch of other picks left in there. And they have, again, guys, much like Tampa Bay, they don't need a lot of help really at any position. Where I would go definitely, you want to protect your new quarterback, Damian. I would go offensive line all day long. But you also do have to replace Richard Sherman in in the secondary because not just what he brought to the team, you know, athletically, but his mental ability in the way that he called everybody out and saying, like a safety, he was telling everybody where to go, what to do. So we're going to miss him, especially his intelligence. So I'm thinking offensive line for my Niners, and I'm thinking defensive back. Um, not sure which order exactly, but that's the way we're going to go after quarterback. What do you think? I think you guys need to get one of those suits I was talking about earlier, those injury preventing suits. Um, <laughs> That would be what you guys need. I, honestly, when I think about it, after a quarterback, you guys are pretty much set everywhere else if healthy. Um, yeah. So it's something that you guys need at QB. Um, offensive line would make sense just to have some depth there. 
Um, defensive line, just in case, you know, you know, you're not wishing this upon him, but just in case Bosa gets hurt again or something like that. Um, yeah. But honestly, you guys don't need anything. Like everything else will just be for talent available there, right? Outside of yeah. QB. So you guys are in a really good place. Just stay healthy. Just cross your fingers and stay healthy. But everything else is good. That's that's what I'm saying, man. I feel like, you know, we're a lot like Tampa Bay in that position. But, you know, they have the quarterback, Nikki. We don't have the quarterback. And I don't expect a rookie quarterback to take us, you know, deep into the playoffs or to the Super Bowl this year. But we know we're going to get one. But what else do my 49ers need? Well, I think you know best, Jay. <laughs> you really don't need anything. Like, uh, this team's just going to be stacked. It is very Tampa Bay-esque. Um, but, yeah, maybe you got to ask Tom Brady for one of those suits. I mean, he might have uh, it, guys. Right? I'm telling you. <laughs> he might. Because it is funny. For whatever it's worth, not that I want to get into it now, Garoppolo played pretty decent, more than decent, when he was their quarter. He just can't stay healthy. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't even have made this move. I'm, I'm, and I'm being – Dead honest here, guys. If Jimmy Garoppolo stayed healthy, they would not have made this move and be looking for a quarterback right now in that way. So that was his biggest problem, and that's what's keeping him out, and that's why they're going to go get Jones or Justin Fields. Oh, my God, I'm crossing my fingers for Justin Fields. I really hope so. All right. You know what time it is. I know what time it is. We all know what time it is. It's tricky, Nikki, time. Let's get it going. This is my recital. I think it's very vital. Yes, indeed. If you don't by now, or you should know by now that this is Knowledge with Nikki, where she asks unbelievable, crazy, insane, wonderful questions where if we get it right, we party for a week. It's awesome. This is one of our favorite segments, probably our favorite segment of all time on this show, going on a year already. Knowledge with Nikki. Here we go. Here she is taking over. What do we got this week? We are con- continuing. Oh, God, I can't talk on a Tuesday. We are continuing <laughs> our draft month trivia. Oh, okay. Some more. All right. A little draft action talk over here. I'm down. I redeem myself. Okay. Yes. 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 Another another shot. I feel good. I feel good. I think you guys are going to knock it out of the park this week. All right. So we have NFL draft picks, draft draft picks. That's what we're doing. No, no picks. It's just actual questions. And uh, yeah, true. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's rock and roll. Um, Who went first, Damian? Me last week? Yeah. I did. All right. So, uh, all right. You're up. Good luck, my brother. All right, guys, you know how we do four questions each. All right, D. So in the 21st century, that's starting from 2001, how many first overall picks have not been quarterbacks? Oh, that's a really good question. Why wow. so you paid the big bucks, Nikki? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm trying to think about it in my head right now. What would you say, since 2000? 2001. Since 2001, how many have not been quarterbacks? Correct. Wow. I got to start thinking. I'm going to say five. Jay? Uh, I actually agree with him because I think I know who they are. 
wait a second. Ugh, am I missing one? You know what? He said, I think six. I think I know who they are. It is six. Ah. Yeah. You want to name them? You guys got them? You know them? Well, I know Mario Williams and Jake Wong, right? right. Um, Davian Clowney, he came up right away. Miles Garrett came up right away. Yeah. Um, and then Eric Fisher. And yep. then who was the other one I was thinking of? Uh, who was the other guy I was thinking of? Oh, my. I knew it had to be six because he said no on five. Did I say Mario Williams? You did. Yeah. It was uh, Courtney Brown. Oh, Courtney oh. Brown. Right. Oh, no doubt. Okay. All right. Well, I'll take the point. Screw it. Courtney Brown is very forgettable. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> so, yeah, just for my defense. <laughs> you were close. You said five. It wasn't like yeah. that, that was the one I forgot. I forgot Courtney Brown. Yeah. All right. You'll get this one. I know you will. What year was the first draft televised? Oh, wow. Wow. What year was the first draft televised? I'm going to say 1985. Okay. Uh, I was thinking more like 1991. 1980. So, do you were close. Oh. I think you could get half a point on that. All right. Half a point. I think I'll take it because I knew it was. Because the first image I remember of the draft, like I didn't see it personally, but the first one that comes to mind is Deion Sanders with the Jerry Curl. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I knew it was before that. Good call, good call. Yeah, I was way off. Damn, bad on me. All right. All right. Yeah, you get a little point for being close. That's all right, right? Half a point. (laughs) Absolutely. You're in the decade. All right, number three. Who was the first Mr. Irrelevant to ever play in a Super Bowl? Oh, wow. Whoa. The first Mr. Irrelevant to play in the Super Bowl? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I have no clue. <laughs> Jay. <laughs> Jay. I'm thinking, uh, I mean, I really don't wonder if I ever heard this question before in my life. Um, probably not. <laughs> it's probably like a freaking kicker or something. Um, a long snapper. Something like that, right? Oh, you guys uh, didn't even get the position right. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. Okay. Marty Moore, linebacker for the Patriots, who went against the Packers in the 1997 Super Bowl. So he's the first to appear and win, Mr. Irrelevant. Oh, wow. Shout out to him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, D, let's try this one. Who was the first player drafted in the first NFL draft? The first player drafted in the first NFL draft. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with George Blanda. Jay? That's a great guess, but I know the answer. It is Jay Burwanger. Yes. Good job. <laughs> of course, Jay would know that. I know, right? <laughs> it's just very old trivia that I remember useless shit that actually worked out for a change. Wow. Not- <laughs> Did you know he never actually played in the NFL, though? Uh, no, I didn't. No, that part I didn't know. Is that really? He never played in the NFL, but he was the first overall pick. Yeah. He's so the Eagles, back, right? t- the Eagles took him, traded what they called his rights to the Bears. But since it wasn't very lucrative back then to play in the NFL, he never actually played. He was wow. like, he's like a doctor or something. I was like, yeah. ah. 
this. <laughs> wow. I didn't even know. I didn't know they didn't play. That's very interesting. Damn. Okay, cool. But I'll take the point. All right. So we are two points to half a point. All right, Jay, it's your, it's, uh, your turn. All right. Okay, here we go. Since the draft was cut to seven rounds in 1994, what year had the most quarterbacks selected for a total of 17? In, in one single year, 17 quarterbacks? Yes. Wow. Since he cut it from the seven round. Yes. Since the new format of seven rounds. Yep. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Start thinking brother. Um, I'm going to say the 1998. Yay. I'm going to go 2001. Oh, close. I'll give you half a point. 2004. Oh, um, not bad. All right. Close. Okay. All right. have good. Three, three pretty good guys in the first round that year. Yeah, yeah I think so, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. All right, Jay. Um, in what y- yes, this is you. In what year did it take till the 68th pick for a quarterback to be selected? In what year did it take until the 68th pick for a quarterback to be selected? Okay, this is just going to be some educated sort of guess over here. Um, uh, nine, God, I got to just pick something. Come on, man. 1948. <laughs> oh, D? I'm going to go 1974. 1988. Oh, uh, 1988? Really? Yeah. The Cardinals wow. took a guy named Tom Tupa, who later made the all-pro team as a punter. He played quarterback for the Jets, too, in a couple of games. How pathetic that was. The Jets were going through hell a long time ago, like 20 years ago, whatever it was, and he played quarterback for them. That's how sick that is. Wow, Tom So they're, like, I got to look that draft up now, see if there are any QBs taken late that were actually good or not. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay, good one. All All right, right, Jay, we got two more, about five minutes left so all right i think you'll get this one who pitched the idea of drafting college players in reverse order of finish from the year before so that you could spread the wealth around just say that first part again just the first part who pitched the idea of drafting college players in reverse order of finish from the year before spreading the wealth around in the NFL. Like, so who Pete decided Rozelle. like, yeah, the last, you know, the loser would go first. Pete Rosell. Uh, no. D. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with Al Davis. Burt Bell, who was the owner of the Eagles. Oh, right. Oh. I wouldn't have known that, but Burt Bell. Okay. All right. Not Burt Reynolds, Burt Bell. Yep. <laughs> All right, Jay. Last one for you. How many players in the history of the league have gone from first overall pick to Hall of Fame election? Wow. How many guys in the league have gone to first overall pick to Hall of Fame? Which is on quarterbacks? Players. Any players first pick to the Hall of Fame? And this is all time? All time. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
give me a minute, give me a minute, give me a minute. I'm just trying to like do some real stupid math in my head. I should be, I need a calculator or something. <laughs> uh, say the, real fast, one more time the question. One more time. How many players in the history of the league have gone from first overall pick to Hall okay. of Fame election? Um, I'm going to say 11. D? I'm going to say six. Ah, uh, 14. Oh. Jay, All right. Close. You can get half a point for that. You guys think you can name them in three, two minutes or no? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Troy Aikman, Peyton Manning. Uh, yep. uh, that's for sure. Uh, Lee, geez. I think, uh, Did not Carl- count Peyton Manning in this one. Oh, oh you Orlando didn't? Pace. Okay. Orlando Pace, Troy Aikman, yep. Um, I would say also Bruce Smith, John Elway. Yep. Billy Sims, uh, Steve Barkowski, Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell. Am I doing right? Am I am I right on you so far? Uh, no, I just the so you got Orlando uh, Pace, Aikman, Bruce Smith, John Elway, Earl Campbell, Simpson, Terry Bradshaw, OJ Simpson, Terry Bradshaw. You're at seven. Oh, um, I am no help, Jason. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <it's- laughs> the rest of them are like. Is Ernie guys. Davis Hall of Fame? Ernie Davis? Uh, no. Oh, shoot. Who are the rest, uh, Nikki? Uh, Leroy Stelvin, Ron oh. Yari, Buck Buchanan, Paul Horning, Chuck Bednark, Charlie Trippy, and Bill Dudley. Yeah, they all sound super old. Yeah, they are. From the <laughs> but good job this week, guys. Jay, you took it, but nice job. Yeah, I feel redeemed a little bit better. <laughs> Excellent questions, Nikki. All right. Great job. All right. I really enjoyed that one. We have one more segment to get to, guys. Hang in there for 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. forever and ever i got all, all your songs man and which i mean i just wish we could play them all day but we are up to the final segment 
on third and three, segment three, the greatest male athlete of all time. We are up to our Supreme 16. I don't know why we're calling that, but just don't want to you know, bite off March Madness too much. But we got serious eight matchups going on right now that honestly, these can go either way. If you know your history a little bit, a lot of these guys are recent also, but we are off to the races here. And again, Nikki will be judge, jury, and executioner if and when DNI agree and Nikki is unsure, you'll hear this. The gavel three times and she will make her decision. But I have a feeling that Nikki knows a lot more about what's going on with these players today. So let's get into our first matchup. Damien, let's kick it to you first, bro. We have the greatest Muhammad Ali versus Barry Bonds, who has made it into the Supreme 16, much to much a lot of people's dismay because of the steroids. But we looked at him as a whole and said he deserves to be here. But he's going up against maybe the greatest boxer of all time. And Muhammad Ali, what do you say? Yeah, this is where the steroid use can be used against him, right? Because you <laughs> are going against Muhammad Ali, who is the GOAT in boxing a lot of people's eyes. And you look at Muhammad Ali's resume, the people he beat, George Foreman, Joe Frazier, Ken Norton. Like, he really was the best of a golden era in heavyweight boxing. Barry Bonds, maybe the best baseball player of all time. Um, but when you go up in this echelon of competition, that's when you can say, oh, this guy cheated. He can't be better than Muhammad Ali. So I got to go Muhammad Ali. Yeah, I, the number one thing that got it for me with Muhammad Ali and then Nikki, I'm going to you, was exactly what you said. He was the best boxer in the best boxing heavyweight era of all time. No doubt about it. You know, he had, yes, he, he wasn't perfect. He had his losses, but... I mean, Larry Holmes beat him up. Muhammad Ali was like 50 years old, you know, so you can't take that away from him. You named Ken Norton, who actually had success against him. They fought each other, I think, three times. But Muhammad Ali going 15 rounds back in the day, like, you know, some BS Rocky Balboa movie. Now, that stuff was for real, man. And I remember there was him and Joe Frazier both said they were as close to death as possible the third time they fought. They were so happy that Frazier didn't come out for that round because he was ready to collapse and call it quits, not for the fight, but for his life. Guy couldn't do it anymore. So, Nikki, I, I don't know if you can make a case for Barry Bonds over Muhammad Ali, the champ is here. But if you can, go right ahead. I cannot. I would never chump myself like that. So, Muhammad Ali <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's got to be Muhammad Ali. It really does. But um, something tells me this next one's going to be a crazy problem over here, and it could cause the end of the show. This may be a controversy. Um, it's Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. Guys, this is at random. We do not pick these matchups. It's just the way that it falls. And here we go. Like, maybe the two best quarterbacks that ever played of all time. Oh, man. Nikki, start, please. You go first. You want me to go? Yeah, I do. I want you to go. <laughs> <laughs> I actually put a lot of thought into this one and I kind of fell down a rabbit hole comparing them. So yeah, I'll go first and see what you guys think. All right. <sighs> I don't know how we got here, Jay. I mean, this is just cruel and unusual punishment, but <laughs> so Brady, all right. Got that another Super Bowl this year. Um, and look, if that is your criteria, number of, championships and and super bowls that's totally fine that's understandable and i get that 
then for you, if that's your thing, then, then Tom Brady is better than Peyton Manning. But the thing that I think gets lost with these two is that people don't compare their numbers and it's a lot closer than you think. And we can sit here and split hairs all day long. So I just want to point out a couple things. So an average season for Peyton Manning was an 11 and five record, 65.3% completion of his passes, 4,231 yards, 32 TDs, 15 interceptions, an average season for Brady, 12 and four, 64% completing passes, 4,210 yards, 31 TDs, 10 interceptions like the numbers are so close Brady's one in passing TDs and yards seventh in passer rating Manning number three in passing TDs and yards 11th in passer rating right so like who do you give the edge to um I think that yeah for me the edge is going to be Manning and his has seven first team all pro seasons. Johnny Unitas has five. Brady is at three. And anybody out there who needs a reminder, Manning was better than Brady in the regular season. And let's say, okay, Brady wants to play till he's 45. Those stats are going to fall eventually, um, even though he has proven to be a high quality quarterback. So I think that I have to give the edge to the sheriff simply because he had a better peak than Tom Brady did. You know what? Honestly, no matter what your answer was, I automatically loved it because you gave us everything we needed. I don't have any stats in front of me for none of this stuff. You know, I'm doing it off the eyeball and I needed that. I actually definitely needed to hear that to solidify my answer, which I'm going to give to you after we hear Damien's answer. Man, I got to follow that. Uh, <laughs> you guys have been nah. bringing it for weeks. So I had to, this is like the only one I fell down the rabbit hole on. So <laughs> no, I love it, Nikki. Like you brought it and like you always do. And I've always been a Peyton Manning guy over Tom Brady. Anybody who knows me, have heard me talk about sports at all knows that. And the reason is I feel like Tom Brady has had more help team-wise. Now Peyton Manning's had better weapons historically, right? Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, even Edron James, you could put in there. Um, but as far as Dallas Clark, you throw in there as well. But as far as the defensive side of the ball, Tom Brady has always had a top 10 defense, very good to great defenses for most of his career. I believe 16 out of the 20 years, he's had a top 10 defense, including last season with the Bucks. Peyton Manning may have had top 10 defense half his career, if that. In the years where he had a top 10 defense, you saw what happened. Right now, of course, the year with Denver, where he was, you know, a shell of himself, he had one of the best defenses of all time. I think that was a makeup call by the NFL gods <laughs> saying, OK, we have not given you a defense you deserve for all these years. You need us to pick you up now. We'll give you this all time great defense. <laughs> but for all those other years, he didn't get that. I think if he would have got those defenses that Tom Brady would have gotten, he would have gotten just as many Super Bowls, maybe not as many because Tom Brady's going to play much longer. But. Peyton Manning, the way he manipulated the defense, the way that he just went about it, you saw the greatness. With Tom Brady, you see the greatness, but it's more of a robotic-type feel to it. Mm. With Peyton Manning, it was just almost effortless the way that he did it. And, of course, he put a lot of effort into it, the studying of the tape, you know, the, pre the preparation, 
was just, you know, bar none. But for me, I got to go Peyton Manning as an individual player over Tom Brady. Yeah, I knew that you guys were going that way. I definitely – I was, wasn't was 100% about Nicky, but I know that he's your favorite all time. Uh, definitely behind Drew Brees. You know, let's pay respect over there, Peyton Manning. This guy is so tough for me. I'm going to try to make this as short as I possibly can. Peyton Manning has always been my favorite player to watch on offense and Ray Lewis on defense. Watching Peyton Manning play and really be a coach on the offensive side of the ball was was amazing. That's what I wanted to see every Sunday or Monday night or Sunday night, whatever it was. It was great. Tom Brady in the beginning, it was all about his defense and he just didn't mess up a managing quarterback, right? Like take care of the ball, you know, don't turn it over and we'll win the game for you. But then he started to emerge and really become the guy. And again, like you said, Damien, he never really had a lot of great wide receivers. He had Randy Moss. They didn't even win the Super Bowl that year. He just put up the greatest numbers that you can ever even imagine with 50 touchdowns. Yes, Peyton Manning, ironically, was the one who broke that with 55 eventually with Denver in his first year. Here's where it all came down for me, guys. Peyton Manning on the field, so enjoyable to watch, so amazing, makes incredible throws, but he also has made so many incredible mistakes that I can count so many more of those than what Tom Brady has done. Tom Brady, the only mistake comes to my mind is when they were actually playing Indy back in 2009 and he threw that interception uh, late in the game to lose it. Other than that, Brady has had it over Manning. Now he's got seven Super Bowls. He just went to a team at 42 years old, a team that was eight and eight last year or whatever it was with James Winston. They go all the way, they win the Super Bowl and they do it on the road. I find that just incredible that he could just drop in at that age and they could become this unbelievable team. So after being in the Super Bowl, guys, they lost to the Eagles. They beat the Rams. They beat Atlanta in 2016. It's not like he got to all these Super Bowls in the beginning of his career. He's doing it still this late in his career. Ten Super Bowls. I'm sorry. I got to give it to Tom Brady. But the majority rules. Peyton Manning over Tom Brady. I, I tried to make it happen, but that's the end of the story right there, guys. I mean, let, I'll hit the gavel. You guys, <laughs> Manning, it's a done deal. Manning is moving on. Bye-bye, Brady. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear like what the listeners have to say, like tweet at us, like, but really like do your homework. Like you can fall down a rabbit hole, like comparing their stats. And it's almost like, yeah, you got to come up with your own criteria almost and your own preference. Like God knows as we get down the list, I certainly did. Like some of them are ridiculous, but um, I would really like to hear like what the listeners have to say, because I think it is easy to just say Brady and forget about Manning too. Absolutely. Yeah. People, I think if, like me, I've just thrown my hands I'm like, okay, Brady, seven Super Bowls. He's been there 10 times. I, I don't know what else to say, like about a player we're about to talk about in a couple of seconds over here. And I totally understand why you guys say Manning, because he had to do more with less. And he definitely had more pressure on him than Tom Brady did because Tom Brady walked in, got a Super Bowl right away. Ever since then, he was, you know, the heart of, of Boston and the NFL and everything. Peyton Manning had to work a lot harder. So I get why you guys say that for me. It's just that Brady is when you said those regular season numbers and the amount of interceptions, it's not huge, but it does make a difference over time. You know, when you actually add them all up. So, all right, look, we got Ali and Manning moving on. That'd be Peyton Manning and Muhammad Ali, of course. Now, like I said, getting to 10 championship games, not winning all of them. LeBron James versus Barry Sanders. What the hell are we going to do about this one, guys? I mean, okay. 
All right. I'll just Barry Sanders, like, wow, we know we all say he's the greatest running back of all time. If not one, then he's two. LeBron James, we're saying if he's not the greatest basketball player of all time, he's one, if not two. I've come around saying LeBron James is the best basketball player I've ever seen, and I don't even have to think about it anymore. I'm sorry to all you MJ fans out there. I was one. Look, I'm old enough where I've seen him play all his games and everything, but what LeBron has done and where he has gone has just been incredible, where he has taken over the league, where Barry Sanders, as great as he was, never had the opportunity to do that because of the crappy team that he was on, but he was just amazing, but my answer is LeBron James because of to how many teams he's gone to and made them instant champions, including last year at the age of 36. So, Damian, I got to give it to LeBron over Barry Sanders. Yeah, this one breaks my heart a little bit because Barry Sanders is my favorite running back of all time. And also, when it comes to basketball and football players, you know, basketball players can have a bigger impact on the team right. than football players. Right. Um, and with LeBron, though, it's hard to say anybody in history is better than LeBron um, when it comes to just their overall impact on the team or impact on the sport. Uh, As great as Barry Sanders was, you can't really compare him to LeBron when it comes to just LeBron's great overall greatness, his overall impact on the game, both when it comes to the fact that he's going to, in his career, he's going to be top 10 scoring and top 10 assists when he's done. And that's just crazy. It's sick. Uh, yeah, it's it's like it's absolutely nuts that he's able to do that. Still very good at this age. People still expect him once he comes back from injury to be the favorite this year at 36 and year 18, year 18 of his career. He's still considered the best player in the league. Um, just because of that longevity, um, you got to give it to him over to Barry Sanders. And you got to think about not just the regular season games that he ne- that he rarely ever misses, but the playoffs are like an entire other season that he's been doing every year, basically, since he's gotten to the league. The amount of mileage, Nikki, that he's put on his legs, his body, and still being able to do what he's done, that's why I have to take him over the great one, Barry Sanders. I know it's almost like unfair whoever was getting matched up against LeBron. So it's heartbreaking, but we do have to say bye-bye to Barry Sanders because I'm with you guys. LeBron's moving on. Yeah, LeBron is moving on. It's a trifecta over there. No need for even the gavel. But (laughs) now this next one, again, you can take it for what you want. You can go either way. I'll start it off, guys. We got Michael Jordan versus Deion Sanders. When you hear Deion Damien, you know, you say it's prime time, baby. It's everything. The guy's unbelievable. He was the best cornerback that we've all ever seen. I don't even think there's a question about it. Michael Jordan, most people say greatest basketball player we've ever seen. Look at the players that we're dealing with right now. We're down to Michael Jordan versus Deion Sanders. They both played two sports, all right? Jordan, basketball, baseball. Didn't work out for him so well in baseball. But Deion excelled in both sports and would have been better. So Michael Jordan in his sport, Obviously, the best of all time, if not second for those LeBron fans out there. Dion, a guy who can play everything and was the greatest shutdown corner of all time, Damian. It's, I think it's tougher than people think when you talk about athletes. Yeah, no, it's definitely very, very tough. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind was Michael Jordan. But when you think about Dion Sanders, like you said, was a very good baseball player. And a lot of people, you mentioned John Smokes, said if he concentrated on baseball, could have been a Hall of Fame baseball player. Even yeah. if you go back to high school, he was all-state in track, all-state basketball player. He's somebody who literally, when it comes to athletics, could do anything. Uh, with Michael Jordan, 
a lot of people say if he concentrated on baseball, he could have made the major leagues, but no one thinks he could have been great at baseball. Mm -hmm. For him, basketball, amazing athlete. You see how athletic he is. It comes to like in basketball, you can see it because if somebody's good on defense, usually means they're a great athlete, right? And he was somebody who excelled on both ends of the court, being able to slide his feet on defense, offensively go up and down the court as fast as anybody. Um, it's rumored, I don't know if it's true, but it's rumored that he was timed in a 40 at a four or five, which I could believe oh. with his long strides. Um, so, you know, Michael Jordan definitely was a great athlete as well. Oh, man. This right? is a tough one. Because with Dion, you're talking about the best cornerback of all time and a very good baseball player and also was a good wide receiver when he played yeah. that with Dallas, was a good wide receiver as well and maybe the greatest punt returner of all time. Um, so for this one, I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going with primetime Deion Sanders over Michael Jordan as the greatest athlete in this one. Wow, wow, wow. Look at that. MJ losing something that he has never done before in his entire life, but it's happening here on the third and three podcast, Nikki. Jordan losing to Deion on Damien's side. What do you say? Um, I get that, and I get that you guys take the term athlete very literal. Um, but I don't really follow <laughs> the <laughs> rules so much. But no, it is it, this is tough. Like all of these matchups are super tough. So I had to come up with my own criteria, um, which is probably nonsensical. But so for me, it just and I talk about it a lot, like especially when we have our Hall of Fame debates and stuff. Um, so it's just comes down to impact of the game for me and culture. And I literally could not imagine basketball without Michael Jordan. It is inconceivable to me. And I know the argument is going to be, oh, well, the, the athletic side, I get all that. But I think this is so much, this matchup is so much bigger than just the literal term of athlete. So I'm moving Michael Jordan on. Totally understand that. What would you say, Dean? I'm sorry. I said that makes total sense. Yeah, I, 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 I totally understand what she's saying also because Michael Jordan dominated his sport like probably we never seen. You know, a lot of people, again, would say that. And then Deion Sanders, he can only play really one position or two. Like Damian said, he played wide receiver at times. He was begging to get out there, and he could have been an unbelievable wide receiver. But nobody would even throw to his side during the game. So that was already a distinct advantage. He went from the Falcons – to the 49ers, won a Super Bowl. The next year, he went to the Cowboys and won a Super Bowl with them. He was like that guy. You just grab, he was like the missing piece. You grab Deion Sanders, you're going to win a Super Bowl. Again, I'm with you, Nikki. You know, six championships, Michael Jordan, Deion's got two. Harder to do in football because you dominate more in basketball. So Jordan had that, but he needed other guys like everybody else does. So I understand six championships. He took a lot of time off here and there, but Deion played a baseball game and a football game in the same freaking day. All right. He just had to take a little flight. Deion does not have sneaker culture to his credit. Like we literally have sneaker Hold culture. Hold on. Are you Deion Sanders is so much cooler than Michael Jordan. It's not funny. It is not even. What does that have to do with sneakers? Dion don't need no damn sneakers. No, I'm talking about the cultural impact that Michael Jordan has had is so much greater than Dion. Like athlete is all encompassing to me. So yeah, like I think that Michael Jordan, when you talk about culture, NBA, sneaker culture, like 
People are waiting in line. I actually talked about sneaker culture last year. They're wait or last week waiting in line for for Air Jordans. Like I mean, for hours. I just I think if you want to talk about impact, it's Michael Jordan hands down. Yeah, no, I definitely am with you on that, Nikki. When it comes to impact, now Deion Sanders definitely had an impact on the culture as well. Like when you think about cornerbacks becoming cool and it became cool to be a lockdown corner and he showing up to the draft like I mentioned earlier with the Jerry curl and the chains like he was the epitome of cool like Jason is saying but Michael Jordan also was a different type of cool everybody literally wanted to be like Mike like the commercial Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) I definitely get what you're saying Nikki and I'm not gonna lie to you Jason Nikki has turned me I'm going Jordan Oh, that never happened. I'll work you on Eli. I will get there, D. I'm going to work you on Eli. <laughs> it has been said and done right there. Wow. I had God. to come in for the redirect, Jay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I lose. I'm so sorry. Damn. Wow. All right. All right. Well, I'm still sticking with Dina, but you're right. The, no, you honestly, <laughs> this, the impact of Michael Jordan has been higher than probably any athlete in any sport. Maybe Tiger Woods, if you want to say with golf, but no, I, I totally understand that. All right, we got another amazing, God, basketball all over the place. LeBron, Jordan, and now Kobe Bryant versus Jerry Rice, another football, basketball oh, accident. Yeah, yeah, this <laughs> is just nuts. I mean, so like like Damien says, when you're uh, playing basketball, you know, you're one of five guys on your team on the court. You have a lot more control. You're playing offense and defense at the same time. Kobe was definitely great. As soon as he got out, he challenged Michael Jordan immediately. Wasn't afraid of nothing. Jerry Rice was the perfect football player. I mean, they call him like maybe the best football player of all time for a reason. And I understand that. And I love him. He's my favorite you know, football player ever, Jerry Rice. There's no question. I mean, him, Steve Young, Montana, those are my guys. But honestly, as great as Jerry Rice was at his wide receiver position, he played on great teams also where Kobe did have to carry a few teams. Now, him and Shaq were totally unstoppable. If they kept going, they would have had more championships than Jerry Rice did by himself. He got three with, uh, with the 49ers. Kobe got five and Shaq got four. You know what, Damien, I'm actually doing something sacrilegious. I'm taking Kobe over Jerry Rice. I think he was better in his sport than Jerry was in his sport. And I know that sounds crazy, but we're talking about Kobe Bryant here, who was the closest thing we saw to MJ. Mm. But not MJ. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what I was going to go, Nikki. Jerry Rice is the MJ of wide receivers, right? And... We haven't seen anybody even try to do the Kobe of Jerry. That's how far Jerry is above other wide receivers when it comes to his stats, what he was able to do, being the prototype for wide receivers. Kobe Bryant was awesome. Great player, played both sides of the ball. I'm a big fan of two-way players, and he definitely was that. But he also was someone who made his impact by being an imitation of a different player. Jerry Rice is Jerry and no one has come close to being Jerry Rice in that way. And he did play on some great teams. Those 49 teams were great. Even when he went to Oakland, it was a good team. But those teams don't win without him. Like when you talk about a wide receiver impacting the game in that way, being a Super Bowl MVP, 
someone who just consistently was able to do those numbers in football for that long. Kobe Bryant definitely was very good in basketball for a long time. He played 20 years, but he was honestly probably good for 16. With Jerry. That's pretty freaking good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it definitely is. It definitely is. But Jerry played all those years and was pretty much good until the last season. Um, so I got to go Jerry Rice because I believe Jerry Rice is the Michael Jordan of his position. And Kobe is the closest we've seen to Jordan, but not Jordan. Okay. All right. Both arguments have been heard. I thought Kobe had a bigger impact on his team and more championships. Whereas, um, you know, I'm saying that Jerry Rice, as much as I love him and still think he's probably the best wide receiver that ever lived. Some argue Moss, Owens, a couple other people, whatever, that's fine. Um, go, Nikki, you're the deciding factor over here. Um, yeah, no, this, this was tight. You know what? <laughs> I always think like, could you imagine if like one of these athletes was listening and they're probably just like, who the F is this bitch? She talks about <laughs> what she does is like yoga and Pilates and eats bacon, egg and cheeses. And like, who is she to like decide, uh, you know, obviously Kobe rest in peace. But um, I guess here I get for me, it's going to come down to consistency and if you look at Jerry Rice's accomplishments at the height of the 49ers run versus Kobe's run peak, I would just say that, yeah, I'm with D. Like, Jerry Rice was just more consistent. And so that, for me, will push him over the edge. So let it be written. So let it be said. Done deal. There it is. I lose again. I can't win an argument. I got to freaking go and talk to my lawyer over here. <laughs> <laughs> well for me but you know what i'm very happy that jerry rice is moving on just proving how amazing he is going to the great eight in the next round which we'll get to next week we got another big matchup over here damien i want you to kick this one off bro because i know how much you love floyd mayweather and he is going up against the all-time leading scorer in nba history kareem abdul jabbar this one is tough this one is tough um with kareem i always say he should he definitely deserves more respect when it comes to the GOAT conversation in basketball. Uh, but I believe Floyd Mayweather is the GOAT in boxing. Uh, I know a lot of people say Muhammad Ali, and Muhammad Ali definitely did some great things. But I believe that people say Muhammad Ali because of what he did outside of boxing, which is cool. But if we're going to keep it right. inside the boxing ring. I think Floyd Mayweather is the greatest to ever do it. His resume is the best of all time. He's 50-0, beat 25 former champions, 20 of them going to the Hall of Fame. So you think about the fact that 50 and 0, 25 champions, 20 Hall of Famers on his resume that he defeated. And a lot of them he defeated and it wasn't close. That's the what takes him over the top for me. It's not only that he was winning, but he was winning going away. Beat Manny Pacquiao wasn't close. Miguel Cotto wasn't close. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya was the only one that was kind of close. Like a lot of his, most of his fights weren't close and he was able to win in dominating fashion. Best defensive fighter of all time. Most accurate puncher of all time. So I got to go with Floyd over Kareem. As great as Kareem was being the, the leading scorer in history, I go with somebody who stayed perfect throughout history in a sport where it's just made for you not to be perfect. Very nice argument. I, I really like the argument a lot. I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar against a lot of people put him in the top five of best players of all time. Again, six championships and MVPs, you know, with the Lakers and so on and so forth and how long he played. Um, amazing. Can't take anything away from him. And it does. This breaks my heart also because I'm a huge Kareem fan, but I have to go with Floyd Mayweather 
uh, Nikki and Damien. Uh, Damien, I'm with you, man. Look, 50 and 0. I mean, when you can, you're a fighter, you're one on one, and you got these guys coming in the ring to you. Everybody coming after you because you're the champion, and he can still, with a smile on his face, and put one hand behind his back and still beat your butt. Now, one thing I've always said in boxing, to me, you don't have to knock the other guy out to be the champion. You need to out, you need to out punch him. You need to beat him. You need to win the fight. Doesn't mean you have to be on the floor with a broken nose in your eye hanging out of your sock. Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather was so great on defense, which made his offense and counterpunching so incredible. He would throw jabs before a guy can even think about blinking. So Floyd Mayweather, complete boxer. May, on my list, he may not be the best. Everybody's damn close. So I also have him over Kareem. I'm going with Damian, uh, Nikki. Yes, you guys know better than I do. I will I will join the crowd and Floyd Mayweather, you are moving on. So you could Floyd, it you is. don't have to gavel it. That's right. It's a trifecta. I don't even have to gavel it. I wonder if we're gonna have to gavel this one, all right? Because right now there's a lot of magic in the air floating around Montana, and that would be Irvin Magic Johnson versus Joe Montana. We got one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever lived against absolutely one of the greatest basketball players that ever lived. Damien, why don't you take it away first, man? Again, I hate to do it to you to put you on the spot, but I'm still thinking. Yeah, no, this one is really tough. Uh, Joe Montana always talked about how accurate he was as a quarterback during a time where it wasn't designed for the quarterback to be accurate. It wasn't today's game is tailor-made for offenses, and it wasn't like that when Joe Montana played. And he still is very dominant as a quarterback um, in that, you know, West Coast system for the 49ers back in the 80s and with the Chiefs. A lot of people, you know, try to like forget about that part of his career, but he was good with the Chiefs. That's right. So it's, you know, it's very tough. But when you talk about dominance and changing the game, making it to the finals nine times in your 12 years, being the greatest point guard of all time, still holds the record for assists per game, being 6'9". Most point guards, you know, are 6'2", 6'3". 6'4 is considered a big guard. He was 6'9", playing the position and able to dominate in that way. Magic Johnson, I got him top three all time as a basketball player. Uh, Joe Montana, I believe in most people's quarterback hierarchy um, is going to fluctuate between three and five or maybe even outside the top five in some people's eyes because of what's happened so lately in the, in the game. Even as much as basketball has changed with more athleticism, Magic still stands out. So I'm going to go Magic Johnson over Joe Montana in a close one. Yeah, man, this is like, a, this is a hard day for me. I'm like, I went against Jerry Rice, and now I'm going to go against Joe Montana. I hate to do it. Again, look, great team that he made. I mean, when he came out of Notre Dame, they won a championship right away in 81. They won again in 84 against the Dolphins. Jerry Rice wasn't even there yet. And then they started winning even more and more so. You add all that in, and Magic Johnson, like you said, to me, he changed everything. I mean, when he came on the court, we know in his rookie year, he played center, and he had the greatest numbers of all time freaking in the championship game, winning the NBA title, and then going on to win four more, five total. Could have had a lot more if it wasn't for, we all know what happened with the A situation back in 1991. Yeah, that was more toward the end of his uh, career, but he was still in his early 30s and could have played. Magic Johnson has always been my favorite player, and he definitely had more of an impact in the sport and on the team than Joe Montana did as much as I love him. Magic Johnson, for me, hands down, Nikki. 
Yeah, I'm with you guys. You want to talk about revolutionizing a position? I mean, then you have to give it to Magic Johnson because, you know, we are seeing that today. So it's kind of like, you know, he walks so today's players could run. So Joe Cool, maybe we'll have the Joe Cool and Brady debate. But for me, he uh, Magic Johnson's moving on. Yeah, yeah, definitely the Magic Man. He is moving on. And now we are down to our last matchup of the Supreme 16 going on to the grade eight. We're going old, old school with this one with Jim Brown versus Willie Mays. Guys, I've said it a lot of times, Willie Mays is probably the greatest baseball player that ever played. Yes, you play offense and defense in baseball also. Let's not forget that. He played center field. We all know his famous over-the-head catch. Willie Mays, 5-2 player. You hear me say that before. Jim Brown, I'm not taking a damn thing away from him, Damian. He was a truck. He was incredible. Just give him the ball and let him go. Also a great lacrosse player, played a bunch of sports. But Willie Mays is hands down to me the top greatest baseball player of all time. And he won't get out of the the top three position, whereas Jim Brown has one position. And you can have a larger talk about that, like with Jerry Rice. So I'm going Willie Mays, the best baseball player I've ever seen. Great argument. Um, For me, I'm going to go Jim Brown, because I believe Jim Brown is the type of athlete from even that day that would be dominant today. Like he would be somebody who would come in today and because more money is in the sport, he will play longer. And I could see him if he was playing in the nineties or even two thousands, becoming an all-time leading rusher, breaking Emma Smith's record and being by far the greatest running back of all time. You look at the fact that he retired after going for over a thousand yards and having over 4.5 yards per carry. and was like, all right, I'm done. I'm gonna go act. He was still <laughs> he was still the best in the game when he left and just left because, you know, at that time, there was more money in Hollywood than in football. Um, so I think Jim Brown, as far as an athlete, is one of the best we've ever seen and could have been dominant in any era. Not saying that Willie Mays couldn't. I think Willie Mays could have been a great baseball player today. Um, but when it comes to football, the physicality of it, and you think about how much bigger and faster players are today than they were then, and he will still be dominant today, in my opinion. That's why I got to go with Jim Brown. Okay, man. Hey, Jim Brown, freaking obviously fantastic. That's why he's on this list, and that's why he's made it as far as he can, going up against Willie Mays again. Um, look, Nikki, you heard the arguments over here where it's old school players. What are you thinking right now? The 5-2 player, Willie Mays, or Jim Brown, who ran over everybody and then decided to retire a little bit early? What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go Jim Brown. Um, For me, he just crushes the competition, whereas the competition surpasses him in like specific individual areas, but no one player has matched Jim Brown in every area. So he will move on for me. Well, that's it again. That is a done deal right there. I am a total loser today. There's no (laughs) doubt. You want knowledge with Nikki. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm much better tonight because of that, without a doubt, even though you guys destroyed me on this one over here. But you know what? I love it. We got Muhammad Ali, Peyton Manning, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Jerry Rice, Floyd Mayweather, Magic Johnson, and Jim Brown all moving on to the great eight. Oh, boy, more debates coming up next week, man. All right, let's tell everybody where we're at so we can get on out of here and get some dinner. Nikki, Nick, what's up? You can find me on Twitter at Nikki Nick 9384. Damien, your shows are killing the baby. Tell them what's yes, going it on. Is. 
Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so you can find my podcast, The Real Deal with Damian Adams, wherever you listen to podcasts. So wherever you're listening to this podcast at, go search The Real Deal with Damian Adams now and catch my last episode and continue to put that good content in your life. Um, you can find <laughs> me on social media at The Real Deal, WDA on all social media platforms. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. We definitely appreciate it. You don't have to do it, but you take the time to do it. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, no doubt. We love the feedback, guys. The shout outs, it's all awesome. And we give the love right back. It's it's a family thing. My name is Jason Fearman at Sports Profit One. That's the number one on Twitter. And also, please follow us at Third and Three Podcasts. That's where you're going to get all the action, everything, all the shows coming out. Also on our Twitter handles. For now, we are out of here. We're going to get to the grade eight next week. And the NFL draft coming on up, guys. We'll see you all later. As Porky Pig would say. <laughs> Peace. Bye. <laughs>